Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. All right, guys. Welcome back to finally another episode of the Finding Backcountry podcast. Thanks for tuning back in. This is a little bit unique set up here and I don't have a ton of time um, and I'll explain in a second but uh, just gonna rattle one off here and call this just like the hunt series uh, wrap up for me because my hunts are come and gone since we talked last there's so much to catch up on but um, yeah and then I'm gonna get my special guest uh, my brother the only guy who would agree to podcast with me and I'm going to get him on first, though. Let's. Popped up again. Don't drink and drive, kids. And I say that because I am driving. Literally headed home. From work on a Friday uh, Friday night, Friday evening. And uh, was going to trying to podcast with my brother for a few nights here and um just you know life and I'm old and I go to bed early and he's a firefighter and he's gone guiding hunts and so just craziness but hey I've got 45 minute window here uh on my drive home and he's at work so that can either be he's available all night or he gets called two minutes into the phone call but um so I'm driving hunt hunt series wrap up let's give jason a call here and see if um, he wants to play yellow uh you're on the finding backcountry podcast thanks for calling in <laughs> what's your question today sir <laughs> um where are we going to hunt next year where are we <laughs> next year yep i'm already there um oh man i'm gonna get smoked here so i'm like literally driving home um i have <laughs> this is not your concern but i have no no taillights my both my taillights went out <laughs> and so it's hopefully Wyoming. It's, yeah, well, you'd think that but you know when there's one car on 50 miles of highway it's pretty noticeable when the taillights are out <laughs> um yeah, so, dude, I'm just driving home from work, and, you know, I, I kind of prep the people here that you and I had been trying to podcast a few nights in a row, and that I'm old, and I went to bed early, and so this is as like good. <laughs> this is as good as it's going to get, um, but, uh, yeah, so, what's new? Listen, the last time, the last time that I was on this podcast uh, was like hunt series on my bear hunt. I think you did hunt series Before. one, and then and that was the end. I thought I did too. 
I'm pretty sure I did too. Maybe. I can't remember. Well, I feel like there was only one. Ask me some questions and I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that, did, did you go hunting? <laughs> I did. Yeah, I went a couple times. Thanks for asking. Um, yeah, dude, listen, this was a weird year, man. Um, I've never... I'll just be honest, right? Let's have honesty hour. I've never been so unmotivated to go out and go hunting as I was this year. And I think it's for a couple reasons. Um, you know, hunting by yourself gets tiresome, right? Like these, it, it just does, right? I mean, these week long type hunts in the backcountry, and they just, you know, and there's, there's probably guys out there like, Oh, you know, you freaking like, you know, but whatever, right? Like it just, it was what it was like, but I went, I went a few times. Um, the other reasons that it was tough to get motivated was, you know, the obvious, um, you know, not the, a lot to look forward, not a lot to. to look forward to. Uh, now that's, and that's a bad attitude, you know, and I'll give, uh, Robbie and Trav, Travis Hobbs were podcasting today. I was listening to one of their episodes and, you know, Travis had a good little rant at the end. Um, talking about just your attitude when you're hunting you know and this is something that you've always done uh probably better than me in general you know i it's not that i have a bad attitude when i'm hunting it's just like you're just so good at like yeah we're just gonna go man like and we'll just we're gonna find one right and i'm like you know i'll overthink it or oh well, this unit doesn't you know or whatever the deer all got killed i'm gonna do something else or whatever right like when I'm once I'm hunting, I'm I'm good. You know, there's I don't have issues when I'm out in the field, really. But um, yeah, so it's like just the hunt that I was just on the that late muzzleloader hunt with that client. You know, um, I had been out there. We finally killed that buck. It was day six of the hunt, and I had been out there for two days before the season. So I'd been gone from home, you know, for eight days straight. And after, like, the third day of the hunt, he was all getting worried. He's like, dude, are you, like, are you okay? Like, not, he's like, I'm, he's like, I'm not saying I've noticed anything wrong. He's just like, you've been gone a long time. He's like, do you need to go home for a day or two? And, like, he's like, I wouldn't be opposed to, like, just, you know, taking a couple of days off and coming back. I'm like, dude, I'm good. Like, Ain't going to kill one at home. <laughs> yeah. I was like, if I go home, I'm just going to go to work. <laughs> so I'm like, let's just freaking keep grinding, man. It, it's brutal. Like we hadn't, we hadn't found anything big, you know, just kept hitting it, kept hitting it. And then finally just like, boom, catch a break. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and it that's usually how it doesn't work out like that, but it did. <laughs> Well, it does though, right? Like every great story has, you know, a moment where it's just like every great hunting story probably is like, you know, very few times do you just, you know, get my Colorado experience where you just, you show up, you glass for one and, you know, one, one total day basically. And like, oh, there's a big buck and you walk over and kill it and he's dead and you go home. Like very, very yeah. rarely does it happen that way. Um, you know, and, and usually it's somewhere in between. It's not, oh, frick, man, like no deer anywhere and we can't find anything. And then all of a sudden a two two twelve. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's hunting, right? And, and uh, 
you know, the point and the, the, you know, the underlying message that Travis had was like, is nothing's good's going to happen if you have a bad attitude, right? Like, you know, yeah. you're either, you're either going to not go like I did a little bit, you know, I had days I could have been out hunting and I wasn't. And then, you know, I ended up going and here's the surprising thing on, on the hunt. Um, all I had was a deer tag, general Wyoming deer tag. I didn't draw a single, I didn't draw a single tag outside of the state of Wyoming. Nothing again, just zero zip zilch. Um, yeah, unless you want to work 40 hours a week, right? <laughs> no, you're thinking I would have just gone elk hunting, honestly. <clears throat> yeah. And, and trust me, I mean, I was thinking it, right. I was like, ah, oh, what the heck? Like what I ended up doing and what I had more fun doing was going bear hunting. Right. Um, and I'll, you know, we can jump right into that because, um, you know, what a great year to, uh, you know, get back in a place here in Wyoming where a resident, you know, even non-residents can buy a bear tag over the counter. And like, it wasn't even a question, right? I saw that bear. I've never killed a bear. I've had so many bear tags in my life. Uh, from Utah to here in Wyoming and everywhere in between and like never been able to kill a bear. Rarely, I don't even know that I've seen one while I'm hunting really. Uh, I've seen one or two, I guess. They just weren't, you know, and this wasn't a big bear at all. Um, you know, in fact, it was a sow and I didn't know that, but she didn't have cubs or anything. And um, But it was just no question, right? Because the deer hunting was relatively slow and so I'm like, oh perfect fall to just ruin my deer hunt by smoking a bear you know and uh and i did um but yeah elk hunting bear hunting you know whatever else you're into hunting so i'm still kind of back there hunting but i'm like "Ah, frick like here here's the thing man like we the specific basin couple drainages basins or whatever you want to call them that we were looking into um dude i want this guy off of my hind end you know what is it with like what headlights are they when it's like oh it's not their brights but man they're so annoying because they're super bright right like it's like the new new cars the leds i just want to run this guy up the road but um i won't do that yeah, listen, we got into this spot that I've been in a couple few years now and A, when I was scouting in the summer, I saw not only does with fawns, but does with double fawns with twins more than one, which is super against the grain for the way everyone's been talking in Wyoming, right? Um, and then, and I might lose you for two seconds, Jason, but the recording will still keep going. I'm going over a bad spot here, but, um, then we also, we saw a lot of mature, relatively mature deer or, and, and I should define that right. Mature, like, you know, they weren't shooters, but they were, you know, not two points. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. We, we actually, I mean, a handful, like, and they were close. Like, they were in that 160 to one, you know, pushing 170, a few of them, right? Uh, one deer in particular that I scouted that I was really excited about and went because I was like, man, if he 
looking at his frame and stuff like you just never know right in on august or july 30th or whatever you you still don't know right i mean you you know especially down in the desert it seems like you see bucks that i mean they can put on what 20 30 inches Uh uh-oh there's the might have to go there's there's the infamous call that's right if you got to go i'll just finish it out but um oh this is got a breather this this is so exciting good luck jason save his life (laughs) see you dude (laughs) so you heard it here first on the finding backcountry podcast um saving lives and shooting deer except we're not but no i mean listen let me let me keep going with my deal here just as a solo and uh you know so so i don't know it I was, I was super glad that I went and I was actually, I was getting more optimistic as I was out there. Um, because it was like, Oh, there's a, there's a, a buck, you know, that's a deer. That's not, you know, two and a half years old. There's another buck that's not two and a half years old. And so, you know, there was, there was, uh, something to be hopeful for, not something that I was looking to put my tag on, um, or the guys that I was with a couple of them. And I said, <laughs> funny i started by saying i was going solo and i did but i um just total coincidence ran into like i won't say who just for their security and you know whatever right just to keep but um some legends right like i ran into a couple guys that are just like better hunters than me for sure um and and get after it and you know, and that's, <laughs> that's one reason I know I'm not crazy. Uh, cause <laughs> you know, when you show up, I, it's happened to me before when I show up in spots where guys who are actual killers, uh, show up, <laughs> you know, I'm doing something right. I'm just not executing or whatever, but no, there was, listen, we, we saw a handful of bucks, um, just none that were tipping that, you know, that next level, like there's a mature buck that, you know, frankly, a lot of guys probably would be ecstatic and it would be a great hunt for them. And, um, but you know, 168 inch deer, whatever, I've shot a few of those, right. And I don't need another one like we've talked on here. So they got the walk, but it, that's good. Right. Because, you know, there's a handful of bucks that, um, something to look forward to next year, but yeah, what it just, it was a really good year to, um, you know, just get outside the box a little bit, shoot a bear. Uh, another thing that I did on my second trip is I took my horse and, you know, that's, that's a new thing for me and a definitely new thing for this horse. I've, I've hunted off of horses my whole life growing up, but it was not like this. It's not packing them into the backcountry horse camp type thing uh it's you know we pull our camp trailer and our horse trailer to a a camping spot and the horses are there and we use them you know maybe today we do and the next day we don't or whatever but they're they're at camp and we've got the trucks there and stuff this was like (laughs) i packed every single thing that i needed on my back and the panniers and me and old ponchito uh took off blazing saddles up the up the canyon five miles and and so two things 
that I thought were valuable and what I would rec- recommend, you know, it was a little late for this year probably, but, you know, recommend for guys on years, maybe we have another bad winter and, or maybe the hunting next year, you know, is just as tough, but I used this year or this, this particular trip this year for a, an exploratory trip and a learning trip and a, you know, a, a experience trip for my horse. So he and I have been through from start to finish. I broke this horse from bringing him home as a little yearling, never been touched to, you know, now that we, we've come full circle and I took him on our first backcountry full-blown uh, overnight trip. And that was crazy at, on one hand. And on the other hand, it was just, you know, if you do it right, this trip was just a literal accumulation of all these little things that we'd already done once before. Like I'd already taken him on day rides, you know, in the, on mountain trails and stuff, but just for the day. And then, you know, I had already, um, you know, we, I had already packed my gun on him before on a few trips and, you know, and all these things. And I'd taken him out and we'd worked on crossing streams and water and I'd taken him over bridges and we'd crossed bridges, but kind of all at separate moments. And this was just all of that. At one time we had to cross the bridge. We had to cross multiple streams. Uh, we packed all the stuff. We packed a tent. We had to, you know, we even did things we didn't normally do like, um, well, he, I had, I had tied him overnight to a tree, but at home, he just obviously roams around in the corral or the pasture. Um, so he had never technically been all night in the backcountry tied to a tree. Right. Um, when we got, when I drove up the first night, I got there late. And so we actually did, I just tied him to a tree at the truck, kind of at the trailhead. And so that was kind of a, an introduction just to make sure. And I knew he wasn't going to do anything stupid. You know, you, when you train your own horse, you know, for better or worse, man, you know, (laughs) you have a really, really good idea of their personality. And that's invaluable in my opinion. Um, you know, if you're not, if you're not going to buy a horse that, you know, for sure, you're not going to pay really good money for a horse or mule or whatever that you, you know, someone, uh, someone that does it as a business guarantees that this is rock solid horse and that you can, you know, go with them a trip or ride the horse for a trip to try it out or whatever, then, then I think you need to do, you need to train it yourself. Right. Uh, because man, the, you know, you just, you know, each other, I know that horse already inside and out, and it's only been a, a cut few years, but anyway, we brought it full circle. And so this, this trip, the second trip that I went on, it was more so, it was as much for him, uh, and that, that, you know, experience and that, uh, as it was, you know, finding a killing deer. Uh, the other thing that I did that I kind of mentioned was exploratory, right? I went and checked a spot that I've known. I knew of a big buck, a big, I'm talking a big buck had been in the, in the past, and I've been wanting to go into that country, obviously not for that buck, um, because he's, you know, he's not there. Uh, but I had known of a, uh, of a big buck that had been in a particular drainage. And I just wanted to go 
check this country out and see what it was like. And the, the big lesson that I learned from this trip was, um, there's a reason that he was so big and, you know, kind of flew under the radar, so to speak, is I learned real quick that the access, so sitting at home when I was scouting this spot and, you know, had it all pulled up on the Onyx and all that, and I had scoured over it and it was like, oh, okay, well, we're just going to roll down this trail, you know, to intersect this trail and then pop up here and be over in this basin, right? And it looked looked pretty easy, looked accessible. I learned real quick about four and a half miles into a five and a half mile trip that like you simply are not getting a horse. Now, let me back up. I wasn't going to take a, what is he now? Three, three and a half. I wasn't going to take a three and a half year old green horse that hasn't spent more than, you know, a dozen days on a mountain trail. I was not going to take him on this trail. And it was, it was dicey. I mean, I took, (laughs) I actually started up it, not on him. I started up it walking and it was so cliffy and, and rocky, um, you know, rocky and steep and just, it was, it was pretty sketch. Uh, and again, I'm not saying that someone with a 15 year old, you know, tried and true broke mountain horse that's seen and done it all wouldn't have rode their horse across that or whatever. Um, but I sure wasn't going to ride him and even, even, uh, even walking him, it, it got, it got to a point where it was like, nah, this is not. And so I learned real quick right there, um, you know, this is, this is horse country, but this is a spot where horses can't get. And that, that catches my attention and made sense why, you know, and, and the irony or not the irony, but the, you know, the interesting thing was, is once you, there was really only one place to access like two or three or four of these basins I could tell. And it was unreasonable to come at them from anywhere else. And I just, I, I, got firsthand experience of like, oh, that, (laughs) that explains why, because, you know, if you didn't know that Big Buck wanted to live back there or that a Big Buck was living in there and you tried to access it, you'd just be like, yeah, no, I'm good. Like, we're not, this is unaccessible, inaccessible, right? So I will be back in there, Um, you know, and if I hadn't have just gotten out of my comfort zone, I could have just went to my same old spots. And I didn't, I said, you know what, like, this is of all the years, let's go try some obscure place. And, and again, not that this is obscure, but it was just a place that I'd had on the map that I didn't have time to go to. So, um, super, super valuable trip, both for the experience of the horse, uh, my experience as a horseman and my horsemanship. And then, you know, even more importantly is, just uncovering that little what I think is going to be a little hidden gem of a spot that (laughs) again I you know how many times with on x or google earth do we get caught in that mo in that mentality of you know or convincing ourselves oh yeah super this is this would be 
oh, this would be too easy. No one would go in there or whatever. And you, until <laughs> if you're not an expert at, at Google Earth and um, or at least or go in there yourself, then you never know. You just never know. And so anyway, a little in-season scouting, we'll call it. And, and game time, you know, game time experience, we'll call it for old Ponchito. So it was great. Didn't see a deer. And yet, like, I'm as excited about that spot as any just for the for the because I tried. So what else? Yeah, I didn't get into the the story of shooting my bear. Um, so up hunting had ran into these my the two guys that I mentioned and they were going one way and I was going the other, uh, you know, and it turns out they did, they kind of packed up camp and went a different spot, which was fine. We were just, we weren't like, you know, we just kind of showed up at the trailhead together and was like, Oh, let's camp together. And then whatever, right from there. And so it worked out perfect. But, um, I just got off by myself that morning and got over and honestly was just relaxing. I was taking it in. It was midday. Um, you know, it kind of still hunted around a, you know, around the basin and was planning to be able to poke my head up over the backside into another basin that evening. And so I was just, I was just taking it all in, um, you know, something we don't always do enough of, right. Where you just, you just sit back and enjoy the mountain. And that's what I was doing. And all of a sudden, right. I wasn't taking a nap per se, you know, and, and that's definitely a way to enjoy the mountain too, <laughs> Um, but I was just, I, again, I was just overlooking a huge basin and just loving it. And all of a sudden two bucks actually come flying up over a saddle that I was, uh, I was probably three or 400 yards from, and they come flying over this saddle and I just catch them underneath me. You know, I'm kind of up on the side of the ridge and they come flying underneath me, not seeing me or anything. And their mouths are open and they're panting and they're, they've got the look of two bucks that are getting away from something. They're not just moving midday. They're like, yeah, we're, we need to get away from something and be somewhere else. And I thought in my head and they were younger bucks. I wasn't going to shoot them, uh, or I would have, but I, in my head registered it as some, probably some other hunters in the backside on the other basin and probably pushed them through or whatever. And so I was like, okay, well I, so I got, a little more ready because I didn't know what else was coming. Um, it just goes to show too, you know, that it could have just as well been a, a big buck, right? It could have been 180 inch buck. I was looking to kill. Um, so you just, you know, and if I had just been there, you know, being noisy or moving around a lot or being loud or whatever, um, and even just not taking the time to sit, right. I might've never even had the experience and definitely wouldn't have had the, the, the experience with the bear that's coming here. Um, and so sometimes, you know, the more you do this, knowing when to move and knowing when to not, knowing when to just sit down on the mountain and give yourself an opportunity to just watch the mountain and, and see what nature's doing. Um, it's an underrated skill and I didn't, you know, necessarily mean for this to happen, but, but it was a good lesson. So. Uh, anyway, uh, so those two bucks come flying over and I watch them and they only passed, I don't know, 40, 50 yards underneath me. I, I could have shot one of them with a bow, but, and I thought, oh, hunters or whatever. About 15 minutes later, here comes Mrs. Bear 
uh, mama bear. <laughs> she wasn't a mama. She didn't hadn't ever had cubs and and didn't have them with her. Um, you know, probably a three year old bear, I would guess. You know, decent size, but nothing to write home about. But I've never killed a bear before, so I don't care. Anyway, and I didn't mean to kill South. I would have known. I maybe would have passed her, but probably not. Anyway. So she comes bebopping over that little saddle, just, you know, and just, I'm sure she just been doing what bears do and, uh, had kicked those bucks out, you know, a few minutes ahead of her and, and that's what was pushing them. And so it was, it was interesting to see the whole thing come together, but, um, yeah. So she, I see her coming about 150 out and pop up all I've got my little 25 Psalm. And, uh, I, I just off my knee, she came 150 and then she crossed through a little patch, a tiny little patch of, you know, half a dozen stand of timber, uh, pine trees. And then she popped out the other side and was just walking broadside at about 125 ish. And I offhanded her, boom, hit her. I could tell, but wasn't sure. I thought I was right on her. And uh, luckily she had a long stretch of, you know, about a hundred yards that she was going to sprint through <laughs> after she got hit. And so I, I had three shells in the mag. And so I, you know, I locked in the second one as she's going. And then it just turned into, you know, shooting jackrabbits on the run, like when I was a kid. And that's second shot, man, I thought I was tracking with her, but I, I must've been just behind her. Maybe, I don't know, could have been in front of her, but, uh, third shot last shot just as she's she's about 10 or 20 yards from going in in fact she just she went through a little 20 yard patch of trees is what it was and so i knew this was like i, I actually waited for a split second because this is my window and uh she she was barreling through that spot and i i touched one off what felt like feet out in front of her you know it's hard to explain you just kind of you just have a feel for where you need to lead something when they're running like that, I guess. Um, you know, it's funny. Grandpa Whitwer used to always say that he would prefer, you know, if a deer's at 200 yards, let's say he'd prefer if it was walking or slowly trotting uh, perpendicular to him rather than just standing still. Cause you know, a, they always shot off hand and B, if he was, if the deer was moving slightly, he could swing with it. Right. Kind of like, uh, swinging a shotgun on birds <laughs> and so he always preferred having deer on a slight move you know not too far away obviously but anyway that was the feeling except she was on a dead sprint and so I I felt like I held three feet in front of her when I touched off and heard that boom undis undisputable thwop right like and and also the undisputable thwop of it being a little back from her chest you know in her midsection is what it sounded and and uh looked like when it hit her and uh you know sure enough gave her the time that i thought she needed uh with having two bullets in her but it was done i'm sure it was done on a death sprint uh because when i got up there the first shot had actually hit her um uh, a little up in the throat right now i'm just offhand real quick um but like hit her just under the chest or you know upper chest lower throat and just like I mean, completely sliced it open almost like, almost like you had gone up and slid it, but it was more like a, a circular, you know, opening. And I'm sure that did it. But then that second one in her, 
you know, about, about mid body, just, I'm, she was dead on her feet, but, and then what pursued is just, you know, good old fashioned butt kicking. Uh, I ended up packing, this is like early afternoon ish, maybe, I don't even know, 11, 10, 11 or something like that. And, you know, I cut her up, hide, took some of the meat, everything, you know, skull and head, everything. And got back to the base camp with her, you know, early afternoon, learned that, you know, my, the other guys that I was camped next to, they had decided, you know, to pack up that day as well and go further in. And so, um, you know, I just, I was like, well, you know, at this point, like I might as well, um, geez, what are we doing here? I might as well, uh, you know, just pack up myself and, and head out if I can make it out. Um, some personal stuff with my wife that I, if I was a good husband, I would go attend to, um, and, and be there with her and for her. And so, um, decided that was, a, you know, it was a good decision to kill myself that night and get out, um, to, you know, be a good husband. So, I did. And, uh, you know, it's always a better idea <laughs> when you're in the first, you know, 20 minutes of it. I'm not sure it was ever a good idea, but, uh, yeah, it turned into, you know, I thought it was a very terrible idea. Nine, eight, nine mile hike or whatever it was, uh, with all of camp and, a, you know, a bear hide and a bear skull and some bear meat and, you know, it was just, it was not fun. And, but, you know, it's what you do. And got out late, can't even remember, 10 or 11 or something, and then had to drive home, you know, hours on hours. <laughs> so, anyway, that's what you do, and it's always fun. So, yeah, I mean, that, and that's really it. I, I didn't, uh, you know, I had that antelope tag, uh, shot, shot an antelope didn't talk too much about that i don't know if i did or didn't but um antelope are just antelope for me i'm i'm terrible at holding out on antelope uh you know i always joke like man i like i'm the epitome of what i talk about with mule deer hunters but with antelope like if it's a 70 inch antelope it's getting smoked and I don't, you know, I'm like every year, I'm like, oh, every time I have a tag, like, all right, I'm looking for something special. And honestly, I'm just terrible at judging them. I think, you know, I look at them and like, oh, that's a 75 or that's a 77 inch goat. And it's not. So, uh, but that was one and done. And, and frankly, I don't like to spend too many days chasing antelope anyway. So, and that's been it. It's been a very low key, you know, still had plenty of action, uh, but very low key, got some good experience, saw a new area. Um, saw some, uh, good potential bucks, you know, to keep an eye on, um, got the horse, some invaluable experience, got, you know, just, just a good fall, but not a lot of hunting. Uh, honestly, I'll be honest too, with, you know, to wrap this up, like I learned my lesson this year. I've been very spoiled with either, you know, leftover tags or turn back or, you know, return tag systems or whatever in various states. And this year I got my butt handed to me. Uh, you know, you've heard me talk about Nevada and, you know, Nevada, 
change their first come first serve program where you know it's it's before it was a waste of time and but you could still get lucky now it's literally a waste of time um as a non-resident you're only able to see and get non-resident tags i'm on a waiting period for elk so that eliminates like 50 percent of the tags that i would want to get anyway um and so it was quite literally a waste of time even though i mean i'm not wasting time you know because i'm doing other things or i'll just have a screen open on the side or whatever but um in three months now and again i'm not on there every day religiously 24 hours a day but like as much as i can reasonably be on there while i'm working and doing the other things or whatever and just kind of it's just you know again i don't sit and stare at it but it's just there and and you can kind of tell if something pops up it catches your attention and you look at it right uh in three months of off and on in years past i bet you i would have seen a dozen or more different permits. I mean, we were filtering through them like, no, 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 no. Yes, that's the one I want. This year, in all three months or so that it's been, August, September, October, even more, right? Uh, two. One crap archery permit and one crap rifle permit in crap units, right? So that whole deal has completely changed. And and that's fine, right? Like, I understand why they changed the allocations and all that. It just, it was just such a cool deal. And, and I'm afraid now that it's just, you know, it's like, my goodness, like, you 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 just wish there was a way that it was worth your time or whatever. Frankly, you know, I would almost, rather than doing it that way, I'd almost rather just have it, you know, go into a, a leftover draw like Colorado does. Now, let's, let's talk about that for a second. <clears throat> Um, because again, in years past, I've been able to snag a tag or two on that, the very first, you know, leftover tag draw, uh, not the draw that the, the initial draw in Colorado goes to all the youth and that's kind of, you know, pointless, honestly, but the very first that's like, you know, Hey, you get on at this time and right at 11 or 10 AM or whatever it is, all the tags go up and you know that I've been able to snag tags. I did not this year. I struck out on that. And then after that, it goes to this weekly leftover list, preview list, leftover turnback thing. And if call if the state of Colorado is listening, it's a freaking joke. Like, honestly, you, you know, it's like, oh, what they say, oh, any tag that's on the, the preview list, it's going to go up at 11. It's close to 11 a.m. So what everyone does is you just, you get on the website and you put in a hunt code or a few hunt codes, and then you just sit and hit confirm, confirm, confirm until your finger bleeds. And, and all the while it's like, nope, no tags. That tag doesn't exist. That tag doesn't exist. And you just click that a thousand times and there's no rhyme or reason or way to know if you're getting in at the right time or not. It's just, it's just total randomness. Listen, do it as a freaking draw, Colorado. Like, just have a weekly, even bi bi monthly, right? Every two weeks or whatever, let them stack up and do a ten dollar, you know, put your name in the hat for this tag and that tag draw. You already have the, you know, it's this the same system that you're using for this leftover deal, but have it a draw and take my ten dollars in another app. I will literally, I would rather pay ten dollars every single week of the fall for. Uh, if there's a leftover tag and have a 1% chance of getting it in a draw, then 
this random, nobody knows what's going on, total, you know, chaos, no, like, oh, it's total random, nobody can tell you when it's going to happen thing, like, anyway, that's my rant, is it would give Colorado, it would give the state more money, and it would actually give, you know, you'd feel like you had a fighting chance, like, oh, there's five tags in this, you know, I'm just going to put in for this, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth draw, right, just call it the weekly tag draw, or whatever, and just do another draw, like, you know, total random, don't use bonus points, just like you guys do on the left, or the second draw, or whatever they call it, so, anyway, super frustrating, but, listen, I've learned my lesson, because, you know, we've had it, I've had it very too good to be true, um, and meaning that, you know, I've been able to just snag, snag tags and keep bonus points and stuff. And those days are just, it's just probably coming to an end. Right. So anyway, I've got some points there. I'm going to burn them this next year if, if it's all possible. And I'm just going to make sure I secure tags. That's the world we live in. So whew, that is the hunt series wrap up for the year. Well, I'm sure we'll be on. We still got to get the story of Jason guided that huge buck they killed in Utah and a couple good elk. And then he's got a late season elk tag. So maybe we'll do like a, a part two wrap up and get Jason back on. But for now I got to go. I got date night with the wife and I'm trying to get husband of the year this year. So that next year when I go hunt, 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 um, when I actually draw some tags, I have some equity to, uh, to lean on. So anyway, thanks for listening. We'll get a little more in depth. I've got a podcast coming up with, uh, that I did with the guys at Epic on the Muley's matter movement. Um, so look into that on Epic Outdoors website. And then as always, um, remember Backpack Logistics has now launched the Trailblazer box. We have the highest value. I, I kid you not. And I swear to you, if you can find another backpacking snack box, that's got better value than what I'm bringing, I will, I will throw in more stuff or I'll drop the price or whatever. Cause I'm not messing around. Go to the Backpack Logistics, find the Trailblazer subscription box. It ends up being $29.50 plus $5 shipping, $34.50, and I will over-deliver on that. You have my word. Uh, Go sign up. The first box is, you didn't hear this, but the first box is free. We always give you the first box free when you sign up, so uh, go give it a whirl. All right, guys, thanks for listening. See ya. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit FindingBackCountry.com.